WWDC dominated the news cycle this week, and we've got basically the smartest Apple person in the world to talk about it. I mean, you know, aside from people who actually work at Apple, whatever, it's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to this penultimate episode of Season 3 of the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. I'm your penultimate host, Adam Penultimate Doubt, and that's a fun word to say, penultimate. That's right, this is the second to last episode of the podcast before we once again sleep, the sleep of people who are really, really tired. There's probably a metaphor I could use to describe that, but what can I say? I'm sleepy. We also have a shorter news segment this week for two reasons, and they're both WWDC. The first is that WWDC kind of dominated the headlines this week, with Monday being all like, here's what we think will come to WWDC, and Tuesday being all like, here's what actually came to WWDC, and forget everything we said yesterday. Never happened, you big old silly. And Wednesday was like, why didn't we get all of Monday's stuff at WWDC? And the second reason is, I've got Renee Ritchie, who is basically like Captain Apple, to talk all about WWDC, and I suspect he's going to have a lot to say about it. It was a huge show, and a lot was revealed, so we're going to make with the revealing. One last time, there is no tech yeah, although to be honest, it's really just an excuse at this point. There's no reason why I couldn't have a tech yeah all tech yeah up until now, but... You know, I'll just be playing with a new format, and that format comes next season. So enjoy the lack of tech yes for now. But one last time, let's just get into the news of the week. Not everything Apple came out at WWDC. That's right. Apple still managed to squeak in a few non-WWDC headlines just because just... Why not, right? So this week, Medium writer SDC did an analysis of the blue bubble, green bubble thing and came to an interesting conclusion. According to SDC, not only is Apple segregating its iMessage and not iMessage users, but it's intentionally making green bubbles harder to read and psychologically speaking, making green bubbles easier to disdain. According to the writer, the contrast ratio and therefore the readability has dropped by a lot since the green bubble, blue bubble thing came around in the first time. Now at first, blue versus green made sense because Apple wanted users to know with whom they could do the fun Apple things and with whom they couldn't. But slowly, over the years, Apple made the text white and then started lightening the green color to make it harder to read the white text. Now. I'll be honest, I'm not sure how accurate all this is, but honestly, I wouldn't put it past Apple to do something like this. Apple has gone out of its way to segregate iMessage users from non-iMessage users and actually put up blockers between them. Add in more features from WWDC that will make green bubbles even more despised, and it's not looking so good for the Android toters of the world. But whatever the case, WWDC did not bring iMessage to Android phones. Shocker of all shockers. Not that anyone really expected it. So I guess us green bubbles will just have to keep on hanging and keep on being hated. And I can live with that. The Bluetooth Special Interest Group announced AuraCast, which is new audio technology that will allow a single device to broadcast Bluetooth LE audio to multiple other devices. Basically, it's like radio Bluetooth, where everyone in range can pick up a Bluetooth signal and connect to it. AuraCast-enabled devices would be able to broadcast audio only to those who choose to listen to it, which would enable, say, bar TVs to broadcast audio so you could hear the announcers at the Cubs game for once in your life. And would you please just shut up, Bradley? Nobody cares how Riley in accounting stole your hamburger from the fridge again today. What was I saying? Oh, right. So in that scenario, people could connect headphones and hear the audio from the device. This could be useful in conferences, movie theaters, or any number of places a shared audio experience would be helpful. Personally, I have to wonder what protections could be put in place to prevent people from accidentally picking up the wrong signal and suddenly you're listening to country music from some troll in the back of the room, although I have to admit, that would also be hilarious. Anyway, this is just the announcement, so we're probably a while away from actual use cases, but for now, we'll just have to keep listening to Bradley and hope the TV shows the score on the screen at some point. 
Elon Musk is still trying to buy Twitter, though some suspect he may actually now be trying to get out of it to the surprise of basically no one. Musk has been harping on the fake account data that he's been demanding from Twitter, who has up until now refused to share. Well now, according to Ars Technica, Twitter is going to open the proverbial fire hose of data and spray Musk down with about 500 million tweets posted per day, and yeah, that's going to be a lot of data to sift through. Put simply, Twitter is calling Elon's bluff and giving him what he asked for so the deal, which is reportedly getting worse for Musk by the day, actually goes through. Tech stocks and generally the stock market in general, RAP, my 401k, have been going through a serious downturn basically since Christmas, and that has made Elon's original offer of $54 and change per share quite lucrative, especially since, as of this writing, Twitter stock is sitting at just over $39 per share. Put simply, Musk done screwed up by offering to way overpay for a company that infamously has trouble making money. So if you want data, Mr. Musk, you're gonna get it. But if he still wants to back out, it's still gonna cost him that one billion of the B dollars we've talked about so many times before. In one of the most Carl Pay moves ever, this week Nothing announced that it will be announcing its new phone, the Nothing Phone 1, on July 12th. So for those keeping score, Nothing announced that it will announce a new phone at a later date in the future, and toot toot, here comes the hype train just pulling right into the station here. Yes, it's a little silly that Nothing is announcing nothing, and here I am reporting on nothing, and yes, this is all very infuriating, but at least we know we don't have to wait much longer for the Nothing Phone 1. In the meantime, you can, but absolutely should not, get a taste of Nothing OS by downloading the launcher that is still out there for some reason. Actually, I don't know if it is or not. I downloaded it the first day, I saw that it was stupid, and then I removed it, but I assume it's still out there. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what comes of this phone and what Pei actually says about it when he launches it. Remember, he's got Apple square in his sights with this phone. He wants a phone that will break free of ecosystems and play nice with everyone. So in other words, you know, he, he wants an Android phone. Well, I have good news for you, Carl. But will this be a unique Android experience or... Will it be yet another Android phone? It remains to be seen, and we will see on July 12th, so I guess for now, stay tuned. The ZTE Axon 40 Ultra made its debut this week, and so far the reviews have been pretty darn positive except for one or two little things. ZTE continues the tradition of under-display selfie cameras, and it's not bad, but it's not great, but it's not bad. If you're someone who relies heavily on the front-facing camera, like a certain 11-year-old daughter of mine who shall remain nameless but posts all the time at TikTok, then this is probably not the phone for you. Also, the software leaves some things to be desired. Specifically, the aggressive background task-killing is an issue, as is the lack of consistent notifications, which, by the way, may or may not be related. On the plus side, it's got a gorgeous, uninterrupted 6.8-inch AMOLED screen and a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 processor that flies, and a triple camera setup, all of which are 64-megapixel shooters for main, ultra-wide, and 5.7x optical zoom. There's a lot to like there. Plus, you can actually buy it in the U.S., which is a nice change of pace. You can only buy it at ZTE's website, so it's... Not so great, but you can buy it. It weighs in at $799, so it's not even a bad deal. If you're in the market and you don't care about selfies, go ahead and give it a look. Miss Marvel debuted this week, and I gotta say, I'm kind of into the show. I like its vibe so far. But what's really exceptional about the show is that it is written, portrayed, and created by Muslim talent. The fact of the matter is, it would be disingenuous to say that Muslims are underrepresented in entertainment. It's more like they're completely and utterly ignored and shut out and completely not represented. So for me... A middle-aged white dude, the show is quite good. But for the average Muslim watching this show, it's not only a breath of fresh air, it's a freaking fresh air hurricane. And frankly, it's about time. Well, there goes old Benefit of the Woke again, talking his liberal shenanigans. And yeah, you know what? It's great. Pa Black Panther was also great. And neither of those shows were necessarily, like, 
Citizen Kane great, but what they represented was great, and that's what I'm on board with here. Marvel is doing a damn fine job of taking the white male superhero trope and turning it on its head, which is surprising considering the three heroes that faced off against Thanos were... You know, all strong white guys. But again, progress is being made, and more importantly, the show itself is genuinely good. It's creative and fun, and you should definitely check it out. But there's one part... I don't want to give anyway any spoilers here, but I promise you, if you're watching the show, you're going to be like, oh, that girl is dead, and it turns out she's not dead because this is a borderline kid-friendly show. But in reality... That girl is dead. It's the hammer scene. You'll see what I'm talking about. Anyway, go watch the show and have yourself a good time. And finally, I usually like to end the news and the season off with some good news, and this is some pretty good news. A new Phase 2 cancer trial testing a new treatment for rectal cancer has cured all the patients that it treated. Now, if you want to talk about small sample sizes, this is absolutely a small sample size. It was 18 patients, but still, all 18 went into full remission after receiving the treatment. So, does this mean we found a cure for cancer? No. But it does mean we're closer to being able to successfully treat this kind of cancer, and anytime you can say f you to cancer, that's a good time. So we're not there yet. This will take a long time to verify, and researchers will definitely need a patient panel larger than 18 before heading over to the old FDA. But again, any day you can flip cancer the bird is a good day in my book. And speaking of good days, Apple had a good day earlier this week, so let's get over to Renee Ritchie and our top story. If you live in this solar system, there is simply no one better to talk to about Apple, and specifically WWDC, than my guest today. And that's why this is the second time I've had him on the show to talk about Apple and then WWDC. So I think next time we might have to take him out of that box a little bit. But this time we are indeed talking WWDC. Renee Ritchie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's it's amazing that you are here. It's amazing. You're you're so awesome, and you like still giving the time of day, and that's amazing. No, I <laughs> love myself. No, not at all. This is fantastic. Well, I mean, for the longest time, my Twitter profile said, "Yes, I will go on your podcast." So, I mean, um, you know, I, I, you're kind of the same thing. You you move around a lot, so I like it. Oh, I you. like it. But you you are crushing it as an independent creator. I love watching your stuff. I love you know following you on the Twitters and all that. And we will get to all that you know near the end of the show. But today we are talking WWDC, which this time, just this one time for you, I will call Dub Dub. Oh. It's just it's, so I, 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 when I say WWDC, I fall all over myself. It's so it's like one of those words where the initialisms are longer than the actual words, and so when right. you go there, like they've all gotten tired of it. They've been doing the show for thirty years, so they just all say dub dub, and then like it's much it's much less error prone. That's that's fair. That's fair. And, and you know, side note. Which I would cut out if I were doing a shorter video of this, but I'm not doing a shorter video of this. <laughs> but side note, uh, my my I have never been able to call my parents' siblings uncle or aunt anything. It was just always by their first name. Okay. And the one time I tried, it was my Uncle Gary, and I tried to say Uncle Gary, and I said, oh, hey, how you doing, Uncle? <laughs> and it just, it, it didn't work. So anyway, so that's why uh, that's why everybody in the world calls it Dub Dub except me, and that's okay. I, I'm, it's just I Apple am a very, and then everyone laughs at us is. when we do it, but like after you have to, if you have to say it often enough, you just fall right in. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so, you know, and I've only been doing the show for a couple of years, so give me a few more years. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll be on the dub dub train. You never know. Anyway, so uh, WWDC was a massively long. Was it was like two hours? Wasn't yeah, it? Like the, yeah. The whole thing in the Cupertino Sun. Yeah, and well, that and oh, and that you were actually there. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that, which I thought was actually really fascinating that they invited people to Cupertino and then they showed you like a two-hour YouTube video. Yeah. Which I thought <laughs> there was like no stage. There was, so I mean, let's let's talk about that. Um, the the in person experience. Um, you tweeted early on that they weren't letting you bring in any cameras larger than a phone. Is that right? Yeah. So I think one of the issues was that it was a hybrid event, and if Apple 
like Apple has to pay attention to everything that's happening in the community. And my guess is they didn't know if they'd actually be able to pull it off. Like they, they probably figured they couldn't do a normal event because it would be just too problematic. But then as the caseloads would rise and fall, they're like, okay, we can do, ah, we can't. And the reason it was all you know live to tape was because they might not have been able to do it at all. If cases had gone up high enough, they would have had to cancel right. the in-person portion. And then they need that video to play for everybody. Then what are you going to do? Right? Yeah. 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 But likewise, like Apple security doesn't allow cameras into Apple Park. That's just like a standing huh. rule because, you know, there's a lot of sensitive trade secrets in Apple Park. And they had a bunch of YouTubers coming, which is not normal. And I think it was hard for them to turn that giant ship and say, no, like, like this person, is, just to figure out the logistics of this person is a YouTuber. They can have a camera. This person probably right. works for, you know, a company that we shouldn't allow in with sensitive video recording material. So it was just, it was right. a lot of overhead for them to try to, it was the first time. So there was a lot of stuff that had to be done. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Totally get that. But I just thought it was, it was a little, it was a little funny. I'll be honest. And also, <laughs> that they, usually they, doesn't take yeah. place at Apple. It takes place at McHenry in San Jose where they don't care what you bring in because it's like, it's a civic center. Right. Right. Exactly. This is a public venue. Go ahead. Take picture of the walls or whatever you're going to take a picture yeah. of. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. What was the in-person experience like? Like how many people were 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 there? All told, because I know a lot of people went. Yeah, so typically it's around five thousand developers and a thousand, you know, media analysts, that sort of thing, uh, and they yeah. can't. Ha they don't obviously they don't have room for that capacity at Apple Park. Uh, they did build a brand new developer center right outside the ring, across from the visitor center, and I think they had around a thousand developers there and probably okay. three hundred uh, media or so. But they were like there was an abundance of caution going on. You had to have a negative COVID test within. 24 hours of every day that you went there. You had to have an mm. N95 or equivalent mask on. Uh, most of it mm. took place outdoors. Uh, you know, you could take your mask off if you were outdoors and away from, you know, more than six feet away from somebody. But with the yeah. ebb and flow of the crowd, that just wasn't a practical thing. Uh, so most right. people just like, I see 99% of people just had them on the whole time, which I liked because I have not traveled in two years. And I was worried because we saw GDC where there were like super spreader events and then people on Twitter saying, I tested positive, but I went anyway because I didn't want to miss out, which is like just the worst human like humanity thing you could possibly do. Let me guess. Do. Let me guess. American media, right? Be honest. Uh, pro maybe. I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know what the spread is for GDC. But there was a couple events and there was packs and, you know, and they'd gone. Uh, and if, yeah. if, if Apple screwed this up, it'd be like an Apple-level headline. That's true. Now, to be fair, I did go to the NCAA championship game and like that was my first super spreader event. I yeah. was very I was very excited to go. I I and I was one of conservatively out of 70,000 people, maybe 50 masks that I saw wow. the entire day. <laughs> yeah, so it was I mean it was Louisiana, so it was in the south. Anyway, uh but that's fine. Yeah. So well, even our friends at Creator there... Clash, like a bunch of YouTubers went to watch Dr. Mike and iDubs box each other, and there were no masks, and they all got COVID. So, I mean, like, it's like you've, you've got to be careful. <laughs> I survived I survived my super spreader event. I'm nice. happy about that. So, uh, anyway, so let's get into the, into the meat of the show itself. Um, they started... I forget what they started off with iOS because they started yeah. talking about the lock screen. And, and arguably, I think the lock screen is like the biggest the biggest announcement to come out of iOS and I have to admit it's actually really kind of impressive what they're what they're doing um, so just to kind of recap you, you, they've got a new lock sc screen where you can put in you know whatever picture you want but then you can actually kind of sort of put in like I, I don't remember what they call them but they're basically like widgets yeah. where you can have like the time and you can have like your your rings and you can have um uh, now the the music playback and the media playback controls that is something that's automatically added towards the bottom of the lock screen i don't think that's something that you yes. add am that's i right yeah that's okay. opportunistic but the really cool part about the lock screen, I mean, and this is such like a nerdy thing to like nerd out over, but the really cool part is if you put, if you have a picture of a person or presumably, I don't, does, does it work with buildings? I'm, I'm assuming we'll, we'll get into that in a yeah. second, but, um, but if you have like something very prominently in the foreground, well, in the example they used, it was a person and you put a clock like above their head and like part of their head was covering the clock instead of the clock covering the head the head actually covers the clock so yeah. apple is using some 
uh, some machine learning to figure out this is a prominent foreground object. This should go over the clock. And I'm like gesturing and putting my hand in front of the microphone. I absolutely should not be doing that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's just kind of cool because like if you move the head up, it obscures more of the clock and it's yeah. really neat. Now, does that work for like inanimate objects like buildings or something like that? Have you tried that out? I think so. I think what they're actually doing is using the depth map. So it has to be a portrait mode photo and then the portrait mode, um, especially if you have a okay. LiDAR camera, but even not if you have a, like a, a depth disparity uh, camera, like they, they do it with the focus pixels, it, it'll know what's in the foreground. Then it'll have a map of depth behind it and it'll use okay. that and a combination. They're not quite as good at it as Google is, but they also do a very good job of the depth separate, of the just separating forms uh, algorithm. I forget mm -hmm. what it's called. Um, the map that does that. And they'll, they'll combine those two things to sort of give you as clean a cutout as they can. That's, I mean, it's really neat. It's really neat. And the effect is like, it's one of those like little subtle things that you probably wouldn't notice unless someone pointed it out. Like if you're at a party, you're like, hey, here's my lock screen. You probably wouldn't notice it unless they see how the head is in front of the numbers here. Then yeah. they'd be like, oh yeah, that is kind of neat. So I, 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 I really dig that because, you know, Apple didn't have to show it off. And let's face it, to... 99% of the consumers who are going to buy an iPhone, they probably did not watch WWDC, <laughs> so they're not going to they're not going to specifically have it pointed they out can to them, pull but views, some of though. I mean like like a lot of event views are down, but Apple still manages to pull big numbers when you consider like yeah. YouTube numbers are huge and then they also stream it on all their own devices and a lot of mainstream mm -hmm. people just watch it on those. The thing that I really like, though, is that some years, often, actually, Apple announces something new, like the widgets, which are based on the Apple Watch complications. They'll announce those, but they'll be Apple only for a year because they always like to dog food and see what the problems are before developers hit them. And then the next year, it mm -hmm. becomes open to everybody. But almost everything was like, it's coming to Apple, and there's like widget kit for the widgets now. Everything was an API. Everything was a framework. Everybody can use oh, it. Okay. And I love that as just a trend for the show. Yeah, yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned that, I mean, you're you're obviously a lot more insider than I am. So it's 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 cool to have that perspective. That yeah, because almost everything that they announced, they followed up with. By the way, here's a developer. Yeah. Um, you know, and that included uh, the weather. That included yep. maps. That included uh, probably uh, probably oh um the uh, the the. Stage manager? Did Stage Manager have a development kit? Or no, the collaboration. Yes. Collaboration had a developer kit. Yeah, so you're right. Like everything had a developer kit. Good, good note. I, that's yeah. why we have Renee Ritchie on the <laughs> podcast, folks. Uh, but, I was looking uh, for changes. But, that's why my algorithm is programmed to see delta changes in, in shows. <laughs> right, right. Um, they also had uh, a couple of fairly minor tweaks for messages. You can yeah. edit messages and you can recall messages now. And within um, it, so this, I'm, I'm curious for your opinion on this because this ended up being a bit controversial. People have been asking really? for the ability to recall messages and mark them as unread for a long time. So you can mark messages mm -hmm. as unread, but it's within a thread. And also the delete and edit only works in a 15 minute window. And so some people mm. are saying, that's not good enough. I want to be able to always delete or always edit my message. And then there are a bunch of lawyers saying, don't enable this feature because it will prevent your ability of submitting messages you know, through the court system, whether it's family court or contract law, those sorts of things. So like, I, I just thought it's a cool new feature, but apparently everything is a controversy in the 2020s. Well, no, I mean, I can kind of see where they're going with it. Now, I, I definitely am on board with the 15-minute window because, I mean, that's been the, that's been the default uh, call for like uh, Twitter edit messages yeah. is you know give them fifteen minutes because nine times out of ten if you're gonna want to edit a message it's gonna be, it's gonna be because you typed and you said oh crap. <laughs> and yeah. then you like you know review you review it right away and I think if you don't catch it in the first fifteen minutes maybe this is just the editor You're saying in me. if you woke up if you don't sober catch it the in the next first morning, fifteen minutes example. right <laughs> then yeah then you know that's on you yeah. uh, but but no I mean I think fifteen minutes is a decent window I would I would say even like five minutes is a okay. decent window because. Typically, if you're going to edit a message, it's going to be like, I missed something right away. And so you yeah. want to pull it. That's like half my tweets is <laughs> I missed something. And like, I, I didn't realize it until I actually pushed send tweet. And if it's a really egregious error, I'll delete it and, and, and resubmit so it. so much but... engagement. Like if you ever want people to reply to your tweets, just misspell something. It doesn't matter what you say, what right? you do. All they care about is your right? spelling. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought I was the only one that noticed no. that. <laughs> 
<laughs> good to know it happens to everybody but uh but yeah so i i definitely think that 15 minutes is a very reasonable window um let's see what the uh, dictation yeah i mean i kind of yada yada the dictation because that's something i've been doing forever with like google assistant and even like siri siri's been pretty well, decent what, with dictation that's like one of my favorite parts too because i mentioned this when google io happened google io like spent a great deal of time announcing features that ios users have had for a while and wwc spent a great deal of time announcing features that android users have had for a while and everyone gets all like a aggro like t like stress about that i love it because for me like as an end user consistency is a benefit it's a feature and the more that i oh, can yeah. have this stuff everywhere like, I don't care if it's a competitive advantage for them. They don't pay me. I, I just want the stuff for me. Right? Right? Well, yeah, and um, I wrote a, I wrote an article that I still reference annually at at, 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 at um, Google's I.O. Google I.O. and WWDC. I almost always just retweet this article I wrote for Pocket Now back in the early days, 2014, I think. Everybody copies everyone. Yes. And uh, and like and it's been my kind of my mantra ever since I wrote that. It's like, oh it, it's fine that that Google did this first. Now Apple users can enjoy it too. Yeah. And honestly you go back far enough, everything came from web OS anyway. So I it think doesn't it was really Nokia. I think Nokia invented uh, everything in eighteen twelve that was ever going to be invented. That could be. But, could but be. Like think, for me, it's like, checks out. give us everything and then fight over how well you do it. Like, it shouldn't, the fight shouldn't be over whether you have it or not. It should be for the best mm -hmm. implementation of it. Yeah, you don't have to be first. You just have to be best. Yeah. And see, that's why this podcast is so successful, because I'm just the best. Awesome. But and I'm only the best because I have the best guests. Anyway, um, so let's move on. Uh, they they talked a little bit about Wallet. Now, I think, I think the biggest uh, standout for me with Wallet was the... Um, the pay Apple Apple Pay now pay later yeah. thing, which was which was really like it was really kind of cool. It was one of those things that you really don't think about. Like, yeah, I guess that could actually be really handy. Um, and so the, basically, the gist of it is you use Apple Pay, and now I didn't read the actual press release on this, and that's my bad. But that does not specifically have to be Apple Card. That could be any payment method that you're using with Apple Pay, correct? I think like it's it's U.S. only because like the U.S. banking system is hyper competitive compared to this world. Right. But the interesting thing right. too is that Apple is not partnering for this. It's not like they're bringing some financial institution or group in. They're using Apple like Apple's big money bin. To, yeah, to, to, to they're just fronting this. you yeah. the money, basically. It's, it's their cash. <laughs> it's amazing. Which is, which is really cool. And and so basically, the gist of it is, if you buy something, you know, a, like a big ticket item, you can spread the payments out. I think it was four payments over six weeks yeah. or something like that. Which was, I mean, honestly, like kind of altruistic of Apple. Like, good on you, Apple. Uh, and but I mean, obviously, the caveat is you have to use Apple Pay, and yeah. Apple Pay takes like a small percentage of every transaction or something like that, right? Yeah. So, uh, so Apple was sitting around trying to figure out, like, you know, it's great that we get a dollar for all these, uh, for all these. Uh, I'm trying to think of something, fifty dollars or something. That you know, the, for all these uh, 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 Xbox games that people buy. But what if we could get people to buy microwaves? Yeah. Let's see if we could figure. Out what if we could get two dollars? So, yeah. <laughs> Right. What if we could get two dollars? That would be good. So no, I, I definitely, I definitely dig that. They rolled out um, driver's licenses for a couple more U.S. states, which is cool. Um, and that was really kind of the. What was the biggest takeaway from you for iOS? And spoiler alert, I'm going to ask you about this for every operating system. Yeah. Well, the, so it's going to be a little <laughs> bit hard. Like, an Apple even admitted that because the lines between the operating systems aren't blurring in so much as what they do per device, but because mm -hmm. they're all on Apple Silicon now and they all have the same foundations now. Apple, it used to take, I'm going to back up for a second, it used to be that a new feature would be announced for iOS and then maybe it would come to the Mac the next year or the year after. And like mm -hmm. now they've got everything on Apple Silicon, they've got everything on this shared you know, foundation for the operating systems. Everything is day and date. So like all the features they announced for iPhone, they also announced for iPad, so they announced for iPad was also coming to iPhone, yep. and both of them are also coming to the yep. Mac. Uh, so like a lot mm -hmm. of those charts are, if not duplicative, it's just they picked which device they would announce it for. But that means right. that like the highlight for me was more generic. It was that you know a Apple for the last few years also they've announced these new features and then they've been delayed. Like things get uh, they're like, like iMessage Sync came out I think six to, to six six months late three three to six months late and this year Continuity uh, Control came out three to six months late. 
This year, they didn't say everything was coming in September. Even if we know it's not true, even if we know that finish line is just a motivator to get across it, they're like coming later. So for me, like the big sea change here was that they weren't talking about this monolithic release in the fall anymore, but about this roadmap for the next year. And that like... yeah. That sets them up for, like, it may give them less motivation to get things done faster, but it also doesn't set them up for as much failure. And I think that's a really nice middle ground for them to be walking now. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fair. That's fair. That's a, that's a nice politic answer. I love it. I love it. So let's, um, let's transition on over. I think the next thing they talked about was, was it Watch or was it Ventura? I think it was Watch, right? Because yes. they kind of... They went to yeah, Kevin. Okay. So let's... Yeah, let's Who did talk not about dance watch. this year. I was disappointed because he did that little dance for us when they added fitness workouts. So, uh, so a lot of what they talked about was like kind of workouts, and they, they did some, uh, you know, heart rate. Now, one thing they they talked about was AFib, yes. um, like AFib detection. It seemed like that was a much more aggressive, not like aggressive. That's not really the word I'm looking for, but it seemed like they were putting a lot of emphasis on AFib, like. You'll, it'll be a little bit more obvious if you if you have AFib issues or something like Yeah, it's sort let's of all, like... Let's all on that a little bit. One of the problems... So Apple has been rolling this out over the few years. It's, you know, atrial fibrillation, and they were looking for low blood pressure, high blood pressure, like uh, a lot of different factors. But what doctors... Some of the feedback they got from doctors was that we don't know what to do with this. A patient comes in and they got an AFib alert on their watch, and what are we supposed to do? Like, it's great that they came mm. in because, you know... Some people would have literally died. We see that in the news reports, would have literally died if they hadn't gone in. But like the doctors yeah. just see it as really random. So what Apple's trying to do now is keep track of it over time so that if you do have mm, an incident, okay. you can go to the doctor and instead of just getting this one-off alert that they really know to do, they have a whole rich history that they can go back over. So what they're trying to do is, is make it not only beneficial for emergency cases, but to make it more informative for doctors as they treat you over time. Okay, so like if you come in, you say, my watch said I did the AFib yeah. thing, the doctors are like, okay, well, that's normal. Everybody does that once a year. But if someone comes in and says, my watch says I did the AFib thing 87 times yesterday, <laughs> okay, now we have a problem. Yeah. Or like if, if, you're, if you're exhibiting those, if you're exhibiting that, that type of alert on a more frequent basis than the average person, yeah. which I... Not a doctor. I don't know how often we're supposed or to be in, in AFib. Like, they're trying to, they're, like you've had <laughs> right. something happen and you're in post care and it just keep, it's keeping track of it for you. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. And so, I mean, that's that's an important like trends. I think yes. it's I, I think when it comes to health data, it's really all about the trends. Absolutely. And so you, you need to keep that in um, in perspective. So um, and they also oh, they also did like a multi-sport workout. Yep. Um, they, they showed off a multi-sport workout thing, which <laughs> that's something thin people do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's good to know that you can that you can do that. Like I said, with a lot of the fitness stuff, I kind of yada yada over it. So I'm just gonna. What's your big takeaway from the Apple Watch, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. Yeah, there's two. One is that they're starting to get more aggressive, like like you said, with their machine learning models. Maybe they're more confident mm -hmm. in them. Maybe they've just gotten better in general. But they're they're determining like like the, what you just mentioned with the multiple workouts. They're getting much better at seeing. Oh, your arms moving this way and your legs moving that way, and we can figure out what you're doing. But also the medication stuff, because that's been huge for a lot of people. Just because there's, mm. it, there's so many and so complex, and some people aren't able to keep track of it themselves, or they have a caregiver, and just like the, the amount of it. And by no means do I, like, there's a whole separate issue about whether we should be taking so much medication or not. But if you do really need to take it, it's nice that there's a facility in there that can, like, we all have Google-assisted memory already. Our phones and watches are basically external cybernetics at this point. And if they can help <laughs> do any of the mundane you know, tasks that we, so we don't have to do them anymore, that's like, yeah. for me, that they're proving their value of existence. And I think it's cool. I mean, I think the thing with the medications is it, it, is, it, it's, it it's a lot more proactive than I think. Yeah. At least I, as a user, want to be like you know I don't want to like I'm taking my medication now. Now I have to doot 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 on my watch. So I, I didn't you know. I think there's there's a great way to do it, and I'm not positive that Apple's found it yet, but I think they're closer than anybody else. Or you <laughs> so can turn it off. But so it's like like for me, I forget that stuff. Like I start editing a video, and then the day is over, and I have no idea. I didn't right. eat. I didn't get up. I didn't do anything. Uh, so like the more <laughs> I can have these sorts of reminders, like uh, hey, idiot, to continue to function as a viable organism on this planet, please go do you know, X, Y, Z. I'm like ah, oh, okay. Yeah. 
And hey, if it's one less Google reminder that I need, that's always nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I do have a I do have a recurring re- Google reminder to take my medication every night at eight o'clock. Yeah. So, uh, but I don't have one for the morning, which I've discovered over the last couple of weeks. I desperately need. Yes. Anyway, we should probably uh, we should probably go ahead and move on. So we got some new hardware yep. at uh, at WWDC, which is exciting. We got uh, well, we got the M2. And we got the MacBook Air. And at this point, I'm kind of wondering, like, does anybody need anything more than the MacBook Air? Because right. it really starting to seem like not so much. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. Like, there's two ways to advance uh, a chipset. You know, you have the generational improvements, which Apple has with, like, A13, A14, A15, or Intel might have yeah. with, like, 8th, 9th, 10th generation. And then you have uh, the scale of it, which, like, Intel would have with, like, i3, i5, i7, i9, and Apple is doing with the, the base model and then the Pro, the Max, and the Ultra. And that's just scaling cores. And so this one is, right. a, is an archety- a generational improvement, but they also snuck a few extra cores in. And to your point, one of the things they added are the media engines that they introduced with the iPhone, um, the iPhone 13 and then the MacBook Pro, uh, Pro and Max models. So you have dedicated A.264, HEVC, and ProRes media engines. There's half as many as in the M1 Pro, a quarter what's in the M1 Max. But still, this is on a MacBook Air. So you now have the ability <laughs> to render video. I would, my guess, I haven't tested it yet, but my guess is going to be five times faster because previously all of this was CPU bound. So like it was just the mm-hmm. limit of, and a lot of these small machines had these ultra low power processors that couldn't really handle intense video work. Uh, but it improves yeah. my life, you know, you know our, our kinds of lives in three ways. One is every time you move like an effect in a video editor, it doesn't beach ball. It doesn't like make you wait. It, it just works. And then every time you set a render to go off, it is like between five and 10 and on the higher end, 20 times faster. But also because the CPU is not doing it anymore, you can do other stuff. Like you can just say, go render, and it goes and does that, and your CPU is completely unencumbered. Previously, right. you couldn't even use like Chrome very well when it was rendering. <laughs> now you can like run Photoshop and make your thumbnail or something. So it's like having a second computer ready and waiting for you. And that to me has been like the most transformative part. That would be amazing. Uh, so two questions. First of all, did anybody think that the first It Just Works reference would be talking about CPUs? I did not. And second of all, have you gotten your uh, your new MacBook Air yet? No, they're coming out next month. And the, the, the thing about like chipsets, though, is that they are unforgiving. You can send software patches forever, but if you screw up on the silicon, you're done. So they, they tend That's to true. just work better than any software ever. Atoms more than bits. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, I completely lost my train of thought there. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, just the just the the power that you're getting with the with the average MacBook Air these days is just. And like I've been using, I have a, a Gen One, an M1 MacBook Air yeah. that I got for actually both of my last two jobs. Uh, so and I've been using that, and it's just like the the native apps that are built into it are just like so insanely fast yeah. and like now they're just they're just really upping the game and and you're right move offloading the 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 rendering and like all the the graphical hardcore stuff off the CPU is going to be just that much more that much more incredible. Like, so I don't know how geeky you want to be... get, but like we're gonna hit the laws of physics. Oh, I can soon. get geeky. Like, like bring the, it. There's a li- like we're we're shrinking down processes and we're increasing power to a point where we're hitting the physical limits of our known universe. Like Intel's talking about <laughs> angstrom level like like uh, transistors already, and that's you know kind of fantasy land at that point. But also it's getting to the point where. Uh, Intel and NVIDIA are so desperate to beat AMD on like these, these Reddit benchmark LARP competitions that they're throwing unbelievable <laughs> amounts of power into their processors to the point where like if you put the biggest NVIDIA card and the biggest um, Intel card into a machine, it exceeds the voltage of a common house outlet. So you got to be the nerd who finds two different circuits at this. And that's not a consumer solution. So anything that we can uh. do to move off the main cores, like let's, let's stop worrying about the main cores so much and build these build these ASICs, like these reprogrammable ASICs and these off-core special silicon features so that we can like let the cores just do their mundane work, but do things like accelerate video, put audio processors in there, do all these other exciting things. 
I'm still waiting for a computer to come out with a dedicated Google Chrome processor because I think really when you think about computing, that's what's really needed. It's the Chrome so, tabs. Um, I use Chrome tabs for battery and performance testing a lot because every one of them is almost a full instance of Chromium. <laughs> It's just, it's insane. Like the one, the one time I will, I will like ultra nerd out when you, every time they have a, a hardware announcement and I'm talking not, not Apple, I'm talking Microsoft and Dell and everybody, they'll always bring out like these huge, um, you know, these, these huge graphic rendering things. Like, look how quickly this computer renders this thing. I'm like, dude, open six Chrome tabs and show <laughs> yes. me how fast those load. Then we will have a conversation about performance, my friend. I have like three Electron uh, apps running and I can see, I can see what that does to my performance curve. Mm, anyway. Um, okay. But yeah, so, so we got M2 and we got MacBook Air yeah. and they also announced a new MacBook Pro, am yeah. I right about that? Quasi new. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the 13 inch MacBook yeah. Air. Oh, uh, MacBook Pro. Excuse me. So I'll I'll be honest. The hardware announcements kind of blended together yeah, yeah. for me. So can you give us kind of like a like a like a real quick high level view as to what's coming with the MacBook Pro? Yeah. So like this is always sounds ludicrous to people, but it's really like how Apple works. Like <laughs> they have very limited capacity. And people are like they're the biggest company in the world, three trillion dollar company. How can they have limited capacity? They deliberately keep their teams small so that they function like startups. That's what keeps them kind of nimble. Mm -hmm. So they don't grow their teams. They just spin off new teams. And the Apple does, the industrial design department is famously small. And so they only have the capacity to redesign like a few devices. They're going to do the iPhone, of course. That's like the Taylor Swift product. It needs all the attention. But, you know, they may not get to it. Like they might only be able to do two Macs in a year. So they're redesigning a couple this year. They're not redesigning the MacBook Pro. But what they're doing is they want people who are buying the Pro to still get the new chip. So all they did was like right. transplant the M2 in. Uh, so you still get the touch bar. Uh, you still have like the old screen, the old everything. But if if you would if you would normally buy a MacBook Air, uh, it has no fan. So if you really do need to sustain a process for more than 20 minutes, for example, uh, the MacBook mm -hmm. Pro has a fan. So you're basically saying, I you know I love the I love something light. I love the Air. It's not like the new version's not ready yet. I just need a fan for now. I'll pay you an extra hundred bucks for the fan. That's kind of that's kind of amazing, and everybody knows that most of Apple's staff is used to print their own money. So let's you know we we know where the where all their labor goes. Well, I have so this thing fun. like so there's some people who get really angry when Apple updates a product. Like if you haven't updated in a while, you want Apple to update immediately or any company immediately before you buy. But then the minute you well, buy, sure. you don't want them to update again because you'll just feel like you've been obsoleted. But I look at right. it like a bakery. <laughs> a bakery has to have fresh bread. It doesn't matter what day I buy my bread. I might only buy it once a week, but every day I go in, I deserve fresh bread. I don't want to buy no stale bread. And I feel that way You're too. Right. Like I feel like Apple and Google and Samsung, uh, all these companies, the reason they put out new phones every year is not because they expect us to buy them every year, but they do understand that every year we buy them, we want a new phone. So I am like all in on keeping this stuff fresh. See, I personally think that all those companies should just release a new phone every day. I mean, that's really <laughs> the only solution when you really think about Too it. Too many I people mean, if involved. You wanna, if you want to have the freshest phone available, you yeah. know, that's the only solution. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so let's talk about macOS Ventura, and I think the headline here has to be probably Stage Manager. Yeah. which is a new form of multitasking, which I'm not sure we needed, but we're going to go with it. Um, now, it is... So, like, I can kind of see how Stage Manager works on an iPad, which, spoiler alert, is coming to the iPad. We'll get to that in a little bit. But I'm... I'm uh, I'll be honest, I'm a little hesitant as to how useful it's going to be on a MacBook. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so, I mean... Uh we're dealing with super mature operating systems. So it feels like a lot of the time when you get new versions of Windows or new versions of Mac OS, it's like arranging the Dex chairs. You know, they want to give us yeah. the semblance of change. <laughs> it's like a Simpson episode where like everything happens, but then at the end of the 30 minutes, it's kind of back to normal. So this, like right. there's all, and it, but everyone also works in different ways. So like some people do multiple spaces. Some people do, um, over like tons of overlapping windows. Some people like having some people who are way better organized than me like having all their messaging apps on one display or one space and their productivity apps in another space. Mine is a jumbled mess and I know even with this it's right. going to be a jumbled mess. Like nothing is going to change for me <laughs> because I'm not capable of change. 
But I think like right, that's fair for some people. Depending on how your visual spatial orientation works, it's just giving you options. And we go through these every few years, like mission control and uh, spaces and expose and all of these things. And some of them live on, and some of them get you know murdered off. Like like dashboard is gone. (laughs) So to me, this is like another experiment with for them on their long journey towards how do we handle multi windowing on not just like a big display world, but a multi display world, which. Um, is a very small part. Like most mainstream people don't multi-monitor. It's like like 10% of people, but it happens to be everybody on tech, YouTube, and Twitter. And we complain about it right. constantly. So they're always trying right. to figure out new ways for us to use these giant things that we keep plugging in. And for what it's worth, I actually do have all my messaging on one w- window, You're but that's all me. right. That's okay. I'm not judging. I'm not judging judge at all. It's 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 taken a long time to get there, but I'm not 100% positive it's the best arrangement. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I think also, like, I mean, to me, Stage Manager, bringing Stage Manager to the Mac kind of makes sense as, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show, the lines are kind of blurring in yeah. between the 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 mobile operating systems and the and the desktop operating systems so bringing stage manager to the mac kind of makes sense when you also consider the fact that it's also coming to the to the um to the uh the other thing that is not a mac what's the the thing that i'm talking about the ipad that's the one thank you of course Uh, so and then like the other the other kind of halo feature i Yes, if you want to call it this, is the continuity camera, yeah. which is the ability to. I guess it's 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 Apple's tacit admission that their webcams actually do suck. So now, if you really want, you can use your iPhone as a webcam for your uh, for your Mac. And so, and one of the cool things that they showed off was the ability to use your ultra wide camera to show your desktop almost as like a top down view. But so they they did they use some they use some AI I'm sure to like kind of straighten things out a little bit and adjust the perspective so it, it's actually correct so when your hands come in from the bottom even though your iPhone's on top of your phone screen it's actually coming in from a top I'm kind of curious as how to how that would work for me just because I've got my laptop up on a stand. Yeah. And that's up on another stand. So like my desk and my the top of my laptop are. Hang on, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, the top of my laptop is 32 inches away from the edge of my desk. You kinda, so I'm kind of curious as to how that would work. Yeah, because you want to be careful because like, you want the desk shot. You don't want the stand shot or the crotch shot. And that's like a very small boundary right. point between those three things. Yeah. So yes, uh, we're going to have to see how that, that, that plays out. But it's an interesting use of computational photography. And I, and I love that whole idea because... There's obviously there's going to be some manufacturer who's going to come out with a literal camera on the side of the phone now just to say they can do this better, which is going to be hilarious to me and wonderful at the same time. But it's like using that ultra wide angle and saying we have so much more than we need. So we're going to crop down to a shot of you and then we're going to use the bottom part, fold it up and computationally straighten it so that it it is giving you that top down uh, perspective. Um, I I think it's a little showy offy in terms of like, hey, we have all this camera and computational skill at this point. Uh, But I also like this stuff because it's going to spur other people to do it and we'll figure out all these. We already have like center stage, which is Apple's thing for we're going to do the ultra wide and then we're going to crop in and pan and scan around as you move and then zoom in and out as more people come in and out of the frame. And all of this stuff. It's like we want to show that the bits can do more than the atoms can. And some of them are going to be like – it's going to be the same as any product. Now. It's going to be goofy as hell. No one's going to use them. And some are going to be genius and we'll wonder how we ever lived without them. But the only way to get to the good stuff is to go through all this stuff on the way. That's true. That's true. I mean I, I personally am I, – I, I thought it was kind of cool when I first saw it. I'm not sure I'll ever use it, um, especially since my – use of mac os and iphone are fairly inconsistent yeah. you know on, on a regular basis but i mean for someone like you actually i would i would i would kind of love to see a renee ritchie uh video demoing this like doing like an unboxing or something yeah. um using the iphone as a as a camera that, that could well, like be, right yeah, now i have a camera in front of me and i have a camera mounted up there to do the same thing with two you know dedicated cameras so the idea of being able to do it in a hotel if i needed to do like a podcast and demo something or a meeting there and demo go. something it could be go. useful. I'm going to keep an open I, mind. I, 
I think we need to see a Renee Ritchie side-by-side comparison. Like, can the iPhone replace my camera setup? Yeah, well, that'll do closer to release. Like, the thing is, like, the the, the beta period, the, everything is so not ready for prime time that uh, I'd, I'd want to wait until... Like, <laughs> right. I feel like fair. once they ship fair. it, then it's fair for me to be <laughs> hypercritical about it. Like, right now, I just file all the bug reports and say, ah... You know, I don't either like this is broken or I just don't like this because the earlier you do that kind of stuff, the more time they have to actually fix it. And then once they release it, then they're fair game. I can just pile on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I will be watching for that video and I know all of my viewers will be watching for that video as well. Um, Am I missing anything from Ventura? I think that was really like the two main things right yeah i mean again they're getting everything that the iphone and the so like one of the things that i really am i really like and i know it's old hat uh to to people on android is the ability to do live text not just on photos but on video so you know you you Mm. can record a bunch of stuff or you can pause a video that has like a bunch of code examples on the screen and just touch them and uh copy and paste them out you should still do your own homework kids but i mean like if you're watching a youtube video that kind of stuff because it it sort of liberates information it's like a huge accessibility win for me but also um a friend of mine uh was at the post office and had with the bank and had to send a bank draft and didn't have the address and i only had a paper receipt of of the address i didn't have it in digital form but i could hold my live camera view up to it and just run my finger across it copy it and paste it right in and then you know she just she just gave it to the bank and that's that's the kind of thing where, again, the technology is helping us. And I think more like that, please. Yeah, yeah, very. That is awesome. Did you see the? Did you see there was a report, uh, or I don't know if it was a report. It might have just been like a thing on Twitter, but there were like students in college that they're using their iPhones yeah. to like capture the notes of like other students and like copy and paste them. I'm like, that's kind of funny. I love that. That's yeah. that's some that's some good stuff. Some next level. So cheating going on there. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to the to the headline, the surprising headline I thought actually of of WWDC, which was iPad OS. I don't know if that's the headline, but that's the last thing they showed, and yeah. typically that's you know you don't play uh, you don't play Enter Sandman at the beginning of the show because then everybody goes home. Yeah. Um, so the main event. So for iPad OS. <laughs> The, the the showstopper, indeed. So we got stage, uh, and it was kind of funny because, like, a lot of the iPad OS was like, hey, remember this thing we talked about 45 minutes ago? Yep. It's coming here, too. Remember that thing we talked about an hour and 15 minutes ago? It's coming here, yep. too. So, like, that was a lot of it, um, you know, including stage manager on the iPad, which, again, I think makes a lot more sense on the iPad than on the MacBook, especially considering that now stage manager supports windowed views of apps, which I thought... <laughs> I honestly kind of thought I would retire before Apple yeah. ever went to windowed views on an iPad. So that's kind of cool. Well, it's one of those and, things like um, Steve along- Jobs never wanted. Like he he actually made rules that you couldn't even have them in apps. You couldn't have widgets or windowed views inside of apps. That's how sort of like he didn't want to have arrow keys on the original Mac because he thought lazy lazy engineers would just port over their command line apps. He's like, we're gonna have just lazy Mac developers are gonna just bring over their Mac apps, make them illegal. And so now you know is that a thing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but all right um but yeah so and also uh, kind of along with that with stage manager comes external display support for yeah. the for the iPad now it, to, I mean, you're 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 Captain Apple, like we introduced you at the beginning of the of the show. How much do you think that's going to factor into your workflow? Having like w- having an external display and windowed apps in on the iPad, like it, it's it's tailor made for me. Like again, like we represent maybe ten percent of the market, the very sure. low ten percent yes. of the market. Most people <laughs> don't even plug their laptops into external display, displays, much less their iPads. And whenever I say that, people get so angry at me because we assume that. Any any minority sufficiently vocal assumes they're a majority. It's just like how human brains work. Um, but they don't. So this is very much a niche feature. But the iPad for all these years up until now had no concept of swapping pages of memory to drive. It was a completely mm-hmm. real-time operating. Well, not in the classic sense of real-time operation, but it was a live operating system. And what would happen is as you launched more and more apps – they would just take over the memory. And if there ever got to be too much memory pressure, they would do something called Jetsum. They would basically throw out the oldest and least used apps on the stack to free up memory for the most recent and newly used apps. And that's how they worked. And that's why there were limitations to what they could do. But it also meant that they were incredibly responsive and incredibly available. And this is a fundamental Mm -hmm. change. This is doing what the Mac has been doing, what Windows and Android have been doing for years. And that is... Uh, allowing apps to exceed the maximum amount of RAM on the device 
first through compression, then through very, very fast swap uh, to drive. Mm -hmm. And they have very, very fast storage controllers and MVNE SSDs to enable that. But you're still dealing with a somewhat constrained environment that people are used to having instantaneous response with. Like if your Mac is a little slow, you don't really notice because you're moving your mouse or trackpad around. But if you're used to direct manipulation, like just touching the screen and moving things, if it starts chugging or if you move and nothing happens, it just shatters the complete illusion of multi-touch experience. So it's still limited. It's limited to M1 Macs because they have 8 to 12 uh, gigabytes of RAM. They also, the M1 has the advanced uh, compression. It has the the faster storage controllers and RAM. So they're keeping it, it's only the most capable iPads that can do that, the most recent Mac, uh, iPads Pro and iPad Air. But right. for nerds who have been complaining that they want external monitor support, that they want multi-windowing, they now have that opportunity, still limited to like a mm-hmm. collection of apps on your main display and a collection of apps on your external display, but way more than you've ever had the opportunity to do on an iPad before. Yeah, which is which is huge. And one of the other things that they mentioned... Was this? Yeah, this was during this was during the iPad part. Um, using virtual memory is, yeah. uh, to to use like part of your your SSD as you know a sort of virtual. Memory. Obviously, nothing new, but yes. the fact new for that you iPad. can do it on the iPad <laughs> is new for iPad exactly. And um, one of the biggest things, which I didn't realize was a thing, but apparently it's a thing, a weather app for the iPad. This yes. is a thing, huh? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So famously, like, you know, it's like we have a lot of technical debt and we have a lot of like family debt in the world. And this is one of those Mm -hmm. where originally they just brought over the dashboard widgets to the iPhone and then they behaved terribly. So they had to rewrite them as native apps, but they shipped them and then they went to make the iPad. Uh, and Steve is like, yeah, yeah, just blow it up. And they're like, we can't because you said that was stupid on Android. And also it's a waste of space. <laughs> so we're going to make two column layouts. And he's like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but like they, right. they didn't have a good idea for the weather app or the calculator app or the clock app. It just, they, it just looked like a blown up iPhone app. And the head designer at the time hated that. And Steve hated that. So they didn't ship it. And then over time, they were forced to add a calculator. Uh, sorry, they were forced to add a weather, uh, clock app. And now <clears> finally a weather app, especially because they bought you know, Dark Sky. And it would look really, really odd if they didn't have uh, a weather app. <laughs> but it, it still it shows right. like one of the worst consequences of Apple's design-led mentality sometimes. Yeah, okay. But we have it now. So that's great. Now, is this... This isn't an iPad OS 16 exclusive thing, is it? Like, because just uh, off camera, I I searched for a weather app on iPad, and sure enough, there isn't one. Yeah. Uh, so, like, when when do we end? Did they they didn't say anything about when this would ship or anything? Or this isn't going to be an iOS 16 thing, is it? So it might because Apple doesn't really have a concept of of arbitrary updates. Like they're gonna they're working on it. This is the first year they're going to be detaching security updates. From their monolithic OS updates, but they oh, okay. they still don't have an like a they they still out of band like they don't just update the browser out of band or the mail app out of band. Google's very good at that; they pushed everything into the Google Play Store. Apple needs to work yeah. on that. So like the new the new weather app is going to come with the new update. So it means that you're okay. everyone's going to get it except if your if your device doesn't run the new the new software version. Interesting. Okay, so it's actually going to be an, uh, okay. See, I'm so I'm so Googled like yeah. I didn't even think like don't don't even think about tricking. The tr- a triggering. I mean, they could like iWork. They have right. as, like, like right. anything that they think that they would get sued by regulators over. They put separately in the store, like iWork or or things like that. So they could, but this just probably feels like it's far. The other uh, the other really interesting thing I love. Humans are so interesting. They every <laughs> WWDC, there's a bunch of people who are like, I can't believe Apple doesn't have a weather app or a keychain app on the iPad or something. And at the same time, I can't believe Apple keeps making these apps to hurt developers. You know, to be anti-competitive with developers. So. They're, they're walking this line where this year there's no keychain app and people are upset about it. But at the same time, I'm sure OnePassword and Dashlane and LastPass are super happy that Apple didn't make one of those. Right. right. Although, you know, I mean, for people like me who swap back and forth between operating systems, I don't really care about keychain. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I use OnePassword. So um, I guess I – all right, anyway. So one, one last thing to talk about with iPad was collaboration and yeah. – so they 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 
can't, they announced these collaboration tools, which basically allows you to share basically Google Docs, an original document, um, where everybody can work on the Google Do- uh, Docs. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I, sh- I shouldn't mix my metaphors here. Where everybody can work on the original document, and you can see like what people are doing yeah. in real time as they're doing it. Now, one of the cool things is, unlike Google Docs, is that you can actually do the share sheet, uh, or you can do the collaboration through the share sheet. And if you have like a multi-person message or FaceTime call going, that's just like right there. You yep. don't have to like individually add um, add uh, names or anything like that. So this would have been like, you know, when I was working on the Google Doc with the, with the XDA people, if I could have just gone to like, you know, share and then like seen a multi, a group message that I had yep. with like a bunch of people in Slack, maybe I could have like done a collaboration thing. That would have been cool. Obviously. And, and obviously that's not coming to, although maybe it will be because Google did open up like collaboration tools. Like, mm-hmm. um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, they, they opened up, a uh, APIs to collaboration. Now, I don't know if that's going to work for like, obviously, you know, a third party, uh, drawing app can add collaboration tools to its thing, but I don't know if a messaging app could add through that API like the ability to get like a group message from Slack or something yeah. like that. I don't know if that I don't know if it's going to work like that. We'll have to uh, we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Yeah. But regardless, if you have like a message going like with four people, you're going on vacation or something, then you could just like collaborate straight from the share sheet, which I thought was really uh really kind of cool and then they they announced they gave us a sneak preview of this freeform app which is basically like a a a boundless whiteboard where a whole bunch of people can can draw and place pictures and like it's basically just like a whiteboard and they've got uh, it looks like similar tools to what they have in the notes app um, for like pen and you know highlighter and stuff like that and you know background colors and you could do sticky notes and stuff like that that was kind of cool by itself I am very much not a a boundless whiteboard yes. person myself but I know that there are tons of people out there that very much would would love to use something like this so that would be that those were like kind of the two cool collaboration notes that came out at uh, in, in iPad OS. Yeah, and like you said, it's nowhere nearly as rich as like Google or Microsoft. But, you know, those those are their you know, they're really good at services and at documents and those kinds mm-hmm. of things. But mm-hmm. the the ability, Apple's really good at integration and packaging. That's sort of their forte, and, and making it right. so that you're in messages, you're in FaceTime, you're in one of these things, and then you're just a couple taps away. Uh, you don't have to go in and laboriously add every single person to every single document through like the sharing functions, mm-hmm. edit or non-edit that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's nice. Yeah. You, you won't be able to do as much, but you'll be able to do it much faster. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and 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 really, at the end of the day, that's the uh, that's that's the most important thing. So, I think we actually managed to sum up WDC, yeah. WWDC in less than an hour, which is amazing. I honestly, I honestly questioned whether or not we were going to be able Faster to do it. Than they but did. Here we are. I like twice. Here, I know, right? Yeah, we we should we should do this. We'll for host Apple next year. Craig can take on. Craig can take a little break, and we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, call us Captain Hairspray. We'd love to do it. Um, so, like the one, my bit, one big takeaway from WWDC: another year, another year without a number row on the keyboard. Yeah, yeah I missed that. It's such too. a small ask. It's such yeah. a small ask. And but you got haptics. On, you did get haptics on the keyboard finally after like I don't know how many years. Wow. It just occurred to me that iPhones don't have haptics on Do now. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's fun. So maybe okay. number of another we'll, 12 years. We'll see how it goes. I guess we'll uh, we'll take the win for that <laughs> one. It's just, you know, it's such it's such a no-brainer in a world where like every password has to have uppercase and lowercase and numbers and symbols. How do you not have a number row? Cuz yeah. like everybody has to type in passwords, but I guess everybody has keychain now, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway, um so was there anything about WWDC that you don't think we covered? Because I think we were pretty comprehensive. The right? only thing that I really liked, and it's, it's going to be dependent on a lot of platforms, was um, the pass keys. Because that's something that Apple's working on okay. with Google and with Microsoft. And the more yes. they can do to make sure that people don't use password as password or 1234 as a password anymore, the better <laughs> Speaking will of be password managers, us. yeah. 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 Yeah, like, well, like, like they can still manage your pass keys for you. I mean, that's great. We just won't have to worry about the passwords anymore. 
Right, right. No, that that is cool, and I I, I look forward to a passwordless future. Yeah. Um, you know, because you know, I've <laughs> I was just moving my wife into a new phone the other day, and like, so for this service, your password's the same thing. Yep. Okay. So for this service, yeah. password's the same thing. Yep. Okay. So for this service, password same thing. No capital. What a, capital first letter? Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice, nice variety there. Just babe. in case Home Depot uh, <laughs> gets compromised again. Right, and then I told, and then I showed her. I'm like, by the way, this is what my average password is, and I showed yes. her like one password. She's like, why would you do that? I'm like, why wouldn't you? Sixty three character pseudo random blob, please. Right, right. Well, and that's why you know we're we're going on vacation, and for United, um, we you know United has your boarding passes on the phone, um, but. There is no way for me to share my wife's boarding pass with her phone, so huh. I have to log in to her United app so that she can pull up her own boarding pass. But in order to do that, I needed to do the the share password thing from one password because yeah. it's like sixteen non you know whatever. I don't. It might even be more than sixteen. I don't. I don't. I haven't even counted. But it's like a non comprehensible like string of. BS. <laughs> so, and then your security and questions are also pseudo-random letters and numbers so that nobody can guess them based on your internet profile, and it just goes all the way down. Yeah, and I have to do that for my kids and my mom, too. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go ahead and wrap things up. And the last thing we do, and of course, because this is a podcast, the last thing we do is we roll out the red carpet for you, sir. So <laughs> in the laughable case that somebody has heard of me but not heard of you, how would they go about finding your stuff on the Internet? It's time for you to uh, promote your stuff. Oh, I am either remarkably consistent or remarkably boring because I'm Rene Ritchie on so like YouTube.com slash Rene Ritchie, Twitter.com slash Rene Ritchie, Instagram.com slash Rene Ritchie. Just go there and I'll I'll be there. Rene Ritchie and and uh, let me just make sure I'm spelling this right. R I T C H I E. Yes, sir. Okay, thank God. I was I was really. Oh, it's it's a Scottish Rishi. Yeah. Got it. Got so. All right, cool. Um, and so you should go check him out. For what for what it's worth, I miss the vector branding. Um, um, I thought yeah, that was Mobile really, Nations I owns that. that. Was really cool. Mm. Yeah, mm. but that's all right. But you're Renee Ritchie because yes. you know you are you and you are awesome. So nobody go can take check your name from Renee. you. <laughs> that's right. Well. <laughs> the U.S. government is trying, but okay. anyway. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, go check out Renee Ritchie's stuff. It is amazingly awesome, especially if you're in the Apple, uh, especially if you're in the Apple category and you're interested in app, all things Apple. Renee Ritchie should be at the top of your playlist. But as for us today, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show or comment down below since this is on the YouTubes and that's what they do on the YouTubes. If you want some early access, jump onto Patreon at patreon.com slash benefit of the Dow. You can write to the show by visiting benefitofadow.com slash contact. I'd like to thank Renee Ritchie for coming on and talking all things WWDC and co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I would like to thank you for listening and for giving us the benefit of the Dow. Of the Dow.